Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns, one of the pastors here at Compass Point. With me again, lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How you doing, Paul? Amen. Uh, we are continuing our series on how to share your faith. That's We're right. Continuing our conversation this week is part two. You talked about three, three kind of uh, pictures we get of Christ last week, and yeah. we've got three more pictures of kind of the work of salvation and what God is up to in the world. Right. Uh, why don't you give us a little recap from Sunday? Yeah, and the pictures kind of help us with language, right? And I think yeah. this is kind of so we we call this these two uh, last messages something to talk about, and really. What we're trying to do is through this whole series is help people find more opportunities and also uh, just be more comfortable with the mm. opportunities that they have to share. I think it's really important for us to recognize that the message that we have is so incredible. This good news about Jesus is something that is absolutely brilliant and wonderful and such good news. And I think we need to do a better job of understanding it so that we can share it when those opportunities uh, present themselves. Yeah. And one of the things we've been talking about, I think that's helpful for me is that when we talk about sharing our faith, we want to do it in the most helpful way, not necessarily the most effective way. Um, when we talk about it being effective, it, it, it changes the conversation into something that it's not. Hmm. We said right from the very beginning that this is foundationally about compassion. When we care about people and we hear their stories and listen to where you know their lives are at, we have an opportunity to share how Jesus fits in and how this good news can actually change uh, their experience and their lives um, and put them into a right relationship with God. And so we talked about language because I think Often what happens is that we start having conversations that, you know, perhaps we've rehearsed in some ways, you know, we mm -hmm. put all this information together and yet we're, um, you know, we're not, we're not being clear because sometimes the messages that we share, when we use all kinds of different language, we start to mix our metaphors and then we're not making sense to anybody. So the last three weeks we talked about, um, three different facets or sides, um, to this good news. And then this week we talked about three more. So that's where we were this Sunday. Okay. Do you want to give us a little recap on the three? So, so the three from last week, um, we had the temple language. So, so Jesus as a sacrifice, um, kind of points to the faithfulness of God. We had the legal language. So we are, we are guilty and it talks about the grace of God giving us a gift we don't deserve and the family language, God as father and the love of God. So that was last right. week. Yeah. And this week. Yeah, so this week we talked about marketplace language that reminds us of the mercy of God. Mm. Um, that's and then we talked about uh, the battle language, which is really the the um, the power of God that's yeah. being revealed. And then we talked about the the uh, medical language or restoration. Mm -hmm. um, maybe medical is not the best language to use there, and we can kind of get into that a little more. Um, but but that idea of of God kind of bringing healing or fixing things or making things right. And that one really reveals the sovereignty of God, which is, you know, this yeah. big picture of what God's doing in the world and how he's making things right. Okay. Yeah. It's funny seeing all six of these, Paul, it makes me want to go and find a song that fits with each of these. Because we, we yeah. sing about these themes often, um, but you could even kind of put yeah. songs in each of these categories to kind of give us these pictures. And it doesn't mean one is better than another, yeah. right? That's part of this whole yeah. process. But they're all... They all kind of give us a different facet, a different, um, yeah, like a like, different cut me, of the diamond, right? Like yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is a really cool thing. And maybe it's an interesting exercise for people to do. Cause I think, and I'm not being critical of songwriters or anything, um, here entirely. Cause I think that, that, 
that practice, you know, painting pictures uh, with words and music is just such a really cool thing. And I'm not very good at it. But I do notice that often, um, you know, in the songs that we sing, sometimes the metaphors get mixed a little bit. They do. And, and I would say that if you're listening to some of these songs and start thinking about, well, wait a second, what does that exactly mean? So let me give you an example. This yep. is actually from last week. But when we talk about this idea of Jesus as sacrifice, mm -hmm. sometimes we often say that he was sacrificed on our behalf right? Mm -hmm. as, it, as if somehow we were supposed to be sacrificed, but instead Jesus stepped into the sacrifice. Right. That's not accurate. Like right. Jesus was the only one who could be sacrificed because he lived sure. a perfect life and he was the sacrifice, the one and only. Yeah. He, when we talk about that, him stepping in for us, that's more of the legal language, right. which is also absolutely true when we talk about justification. Yeah. But when we mix our metaphors, sometimes we get this weird like picture of like, wait, we're supposed to be sacrificed? Right. No, we were supposed to pay the punishment for sin, and Jesus stepped in and took the punishment for us. So pay the punishment, that's marketplace language, right? Uh, pay the punishment would be, yes, a little <laughs> bit like marketplace, but a little bit more on the, that was the 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 um, uh, the, the uh, first one, or sorry, the second one that we talked about yeah. when we talked about the legal language. So paying the punishment is a little bit more like the legal language. Right. And I mean, it's not that we can't, I'll say it's not that we can't at times take all of these things and put them together because they're all right. true. They're all, again, they're all different sides of one right. thing. Yeah. Uh, but we do, if we're not careful with our language, we can make it really confusing and we can mix metaphors. Because right, we, right. we weren't, Jesus wasn't sacrificed on our behalf. Jesus was sacrificed to pay the price yeah, that we to, couldn't pay. Right, to bring us into relationship with God, yeah. right? And this is, <clears throat> like, if you think about the picture of the Old Testament with the, you know, the temple workers, the the uh, the priests that would offer these sacrifices that would allow them to go into the presence of God. Yeah. That's what Jesus did. He yes. gave us the possibility. That's why when Jesus dies on the cross, the curtain is torn and there's this access that's given to us that mm. was not given to us before. So like marketplace was an interesting one because we mm -hmm. talked about this on Sunday and marketplace is a little bit different than the legal, but it's actually kind of similar. It's maybe two sides to the same coin. And that's why when I talk about the legal language, I talked about the grace of God and then the mercy of God shown right. in marketplace language. And the way that I described marketplace language on Sunday was that, you know, when you, when you find people that are on... They've, they're sort of like completely upset about the way they're discouraged about their lives. They're like, this is the life I've, I've given to myself. This is, you know, I, this is the bed I've made. I may as well lie in it. Yeah. And so they, there's this resignation of like my, the consequences of the decisions that I made in my life are heading me in this direction and mm -hmm. there's no way out. And, and that was why where Jesus steps in and he says, I know that you're going in this direction, but I'm going to give you a new life. And so some of the freedom language that we talk about in the Bible is mm. probably more in the marketplace side of things, in this idea that he brings us into freedom, takes us from that thing that we did deserve, and actually, you know, brings us away from it. So that's where the the marketplace language is a little bit different. And I mean, we're not trying to be perfect here. I, I, what I'm trying to say is that is that our language matters, and that mm -hmm. we need to be careful about what we say and how we say it. Um, but here, let me, let me take a step back here for a second. Cause I think that there's a bigger question and that is that, you know, none of this needs to be this, you know, big, long rehearsed thing where we right. have all of the answers on every single topic and no one's looking for like a theological, like an exegesis of a, of a particular theme or passage in the Bible. You know, people want to know how their story connects with God's story. Mm -hmm. And that was the point of going through all of these different ideas. And you told a great story on Sunday about the coffee. 
right. um, about your experience having, you know, said this spiel a number of times because people kept asking about yeah. coffee when you were pastor of coffee. As, yeah, as we that's all right. Get to be from time to time. Um, and, and someone, you know, Paul, I've got a question about the coffee and you just launch into your spiel yeah. and he stopped you and he said, I just, I like it. I want to know where I can get it. Right. Which feels like often what what we feel like we need to be prepped for, right? Like someone's yeah. going to ask me about my faith. I'm going to have to be ready with the like, here's why we're doing this and this and this. Right. And you, you encouraged us to to listen. Yeah. And to answer the questions that were being asked. Right. Yeah. And to, and to think carefully about the way that Jesus fits into their story, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the picture of redemption, um, you know, from the marketplace language that, you know, I, I shared from the book of Ruth, which is just this really powerful picture of, yeah. of Boaz stepping in. Yeah. And the one thing I said on Sunday that I want to reiterate now that I think it was like a light bulb moment for me. Mm. I, I mentioned that there are these like four things that allow someone to be a redeemer and, you know, they need to be able and yeah. all these different things, but willing was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I find it really, really fascinating that Boaz wasn't the first in line. Yeah. And the reason I think this is really important, and I'll just say it again, is that is that it it means that he was motivated from a different place. Hmm. It wasn't out of duty, right? And the idea that Jesus didn't come to the earth because he was the first in line, he had to do this. Yeah. He stepped in out of love and compassion. That's the that's the picture that Boaz reminds us of. That that he didn't he didn't have to um to step in, but he did. Right. And he redeemed Ruth and Naomi and the whole family was given brand new, a brand new life. And so much of the story of God that we see in the Bible is kind of taking those cultural norms of like, this is the first person in line. This is the way culturally, which doesn't necessarily align with our culture, but this is the way it should have been done. It's the, it's the eldest, it's the firstborn, it's the male. And, and God says, Nope, I'm going to work through the outcast. I'm going to work through the last, right? Like King David, the youngest brother, Right. I mean, there's so many other examples of that. And I love that. Um, yeah. The willingness. Yeah. The ability to step in there. That's so, so good. Yeah. Um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the second one, Victor. Right. Christus Victor. Yeah. Yeah. Christus Victor is like the theological term um, that sometimes can, you know, get people wondering. If you've been in church for a while, you may have heard this term. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes it's a way of looking at the atonement that sort of um, pushes away from the punishment stuff and, mm-hmm. and the death on the cross and the, and, and the need for all of those things. And right. it says, well, on the cross, what Jesus did was he was victorious. And yep. because he's victorious, we can be victorious. And the truth is that, yeah, the Bible talks about that, right? He says, you know, take heart, I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus is an overcomer. And then he tells us that you are more than, you are overcomers. You are conquerors, right? And he talks about that as a as a way of responding because of what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. I think what's important in this passage, though, is to remind us two things, that that um, when Jesus uh, displayed his victory over creation on the cross, that is absolutely true, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't complete or full at that point in the right. sense that, yes, the complete the victory was assured, um, you know, the future is set, all of those things, but what's important to know is that is that what we are looking forward to, the ultimate victory that Jesus will have over the world as this conquering warrior, right? When he returns, the picture that we see is him riding on a horse and like yep. with this like power and authority, which is not how he came as yes. as Jesus into the world. Riding on a donkey. Right. Yeah. Right. And so there's this contrast. And so, you know, even though people were expecting a warrior, what they got was the suffering servant. But what Jesus said is is that he came to to make this way. And so now we have this waiting period where we're mm-hmm. waiting for the fulfillment of that. 
But in the meantime, the power of death is it doesn't have any power over you and me. Right. Now the power of of sin in our lives doesn't control us. It doesn't, you know, completely trap us. We have victory. So I, I find all of this super interesting, obviously really helpful when it comes to evangelism and sharing our faith. But I, I even as I'm thinking through these areas, I find it really helpful to to kind of look at my own life and my own uh, theological bents, the language I like to use, what I think. And even you can look at different churches, different traditions, right? So if if I'm uh, again, if I think through songs, so we sang the song, that's the power this Sunday, which is very Christus yeah. Victor, very, um, you know, declaring God's name over things because he has the power to break it. And, and a lot of these things, I actually feel like the key for us in, in both our own lives and helping others is finding the right balances. Yeah. Cause I think any of these taken too far right. can actually prevent. Uh, prevent us from seeing the goodness of the good news. Right. They can hold us back from seeing the full picture of the gospel. And not that, you know, of course, Christ is all powerful. Of course, yeah. he wants us to have power over death and the sin in our lives and and to have victory. But if that's all we ever sing about, uh, yeah. and I, I would say actually a lot of modern songs are written on this victory theme. There's kind of this triumphant battle language right. being used a lot right now. And I think there's some good in that. We need to be singing that some of the time, but we actually need all the others as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe there's something to this because I think the, the power of God is most often talked about in charismatic traditions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our music is coming out of, of charismatic traditions right now. And yep. so it's not surprising. Yep. Um, and I think for, for, you know, people from our tradition, perhaps, um, you know, here at our church, uh, might be a little bit uncomfortable with victory language because mm -hmm. it feels like, um, Sometimes we use this term, um, sort of a health and wealth gospel, like the health, yep. like this idea that you know you you claim it and then it'll be true of you, and and mm -hmm. if God has given you victory, then your victory is assured, and you know, and and all of those things I think are um, perhaps they're more true than we than we often you know understand them to be, mm -hmm. uh, but you know certainly not entirely complete. I don't believe that because right. Jesus said you'll still have trouble in this world, of course. Um, but we can have peace and know that he's overcome. And I think, I think some of these things, because of our own experience, we may not lean into them very much. Yeah. And victory is one of them where yeah. it's like, yeah, he's all powerful, but, yeah. um, I think it would be helpful for us to explore, especially if, you know, we come from a, um, sort of the evangelical traditions that we come from to, to actually explore that and say, what does it actually mean that mm -hmm. Jesus is victorious? Yeah. And, you know, without my bias kind of pushing in. You know, maybe someone needs to hear that, and maybe we're not willing to share it. Yeah, and I think our tradition would default to the legal and the temple right. language, right? Like sure. that's we're like we're confident in that. It's in the yeah. you know, it's, this is great, but you know, the family language, the God is Father. Ooh, yeah, well, that's a little bit touchy feely. Yeah, and the victory language. Well, that's I don't know, right? And yeah. I, and I think there are some fair criticisms because there are, as with any of these, there are abuses if you take them too far. Sure, but I do think it's really good for us to just be aware, like. And even in different seasons of our lives, um, we will need to access some of these and dwell yeah. on some of these and meditate on them and and understand what it means yeah. that God is victor, that yeah. God is father. Yeah, I um, think we need to take them as far as they go, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than being concerned that, you know, that taking them too far might be a, an abuse. Mm -hmm. Like, we should, we should be thinking, how far can we take them? Yeah. Because I think sometimes we, we're, we limit our, you know, limit ourselves anyways. We're certainly, you know, we don't have the ability to limit God in any way, yep. but yeah. I but well, I think that also refers to the last one too. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about this medical language. God is healer. 
Yeah. So um, I think the medical language is the best way to describe it. And that's kind of where we were, what, you know, recognizing that God is a healer. And I think that the example of Jesus, um, you know, healing people is an example of the way that, that God is giving glimpses uh, or Jesus was giving glimpses of the kingdom mm-hmm. when all would be made right. You know, revelation, the whole idea of wiping every tear from our eyes, no more pain, no more sorrow, all yeah. that stuff. But where I think it breaks down a little bit is I think, I think this one actually is uh, more applicable to uh, perhaps a certain generation, but definitely a lot of people when we talk about it environmentally and we talk about it in this idea of restoring the world to the way that it should be. And, um, you know, I use this example of, you know, those, those shows that, you know, maybe we're on 10 years ago or whatever about, you know, restoration garage and all Mm -hmm. these things where they would take these old things and then they would make them new. And the one guy who was, who was like very popular would kind of like, he'd set it all up and then he'd cover whatever he was doing with a cloth and he'd pull it off and it would be this ta-da moment where you saw everything bright and shiny and new. And that's the picture I see of, of God waiting to like pull the curtain back and say, this is what I have for you. And it's beautiful and amazing. And And yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, this one's kind of maybe not quite the opposite, but it's, it stands against the opinion. Well, it's all going to burn anyways. Right. Like, right. I just need to escape the world. God's got a, I've got a ticket out of here to heaven. Um, This one says, no, God is actually redeeming. Now how that happens. We're not entirely sure about, you know, and I don't, I don't think we're saying as some theological traditions would say, like God is actively, making the world the better place until suddenly it's heaven. We're like, we're going to flip a switch and, oh, actually God's kingdom is here. We're not, we're not saying that. Right. Um, but we are saying that God is at work in our world today and yeah. he does have a plan to make all things new. And heaven, the the end of this story is not Philadelphia cream cheese ad, right? It's not right. put on some angel wings and sing all day. It's actually a recreation of the the garden city yeah where there's good work and there's good relationship and there are good things that we make good things out of yeah how incredible is that eh and i think i think you're absolutely right that the the what this one does this language actually sort of plants us in this epic god story mm-hmm. so much more fully because because what in restoration what you're doing is bringing something back to the way that it was right and so what this does is it puts god at the beginning of our story yep. and at the end of our story yep. as these very strong kind of pillars on which everything else kind of rises and falls so where we began is where we're heading and and i think that um you know that sort of places us i think even more strongly in um in god's cool story and that's what i love about it well, and one of the things I have found, so, I mean, you can probably even tell by the way I talk about it, this is one of the things that as I have grown into my faith, as I have learned, as I've studied theology, this has become uh, almost like the the missing piece of the puzzle for me. Um, and I find this, the, the language of God as healer, the sovereignty of God, this idea that he is rede- redeeming, remaking all things. Yeah. Um, I find it really relevant in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, and not that I don't find the others, but like, you know, the, the idea of sacrifice, the idea of the, uh, I am no longer guilty. Like those feel really important in a momentary kind of way and important things to re- remember and to remind me of, but kind of like a, like something that's been signed. You talk about that like yeah. conversion moment. Yeah. Those, those things kind of live there. Whereas yeah. this one lives in my like breathing and waking and sleeping and eating and and everything that God is still at work. And I think all of these have that to some extent, but I think it's, it's really good to remember that our, 
our picture includes this very active God is at work. Yeah. And thing. I think, I think this one reminds us too. it gives us something to do, you know, yeah. like in, yeah. in, in, in a way that's different than the others, because I think that as, um, as a kingdom of priests, mm. I think we have the opportunity to forgive people yes. and to demonstrate this like picture to people of forgiveness and God's grace and his mercy and all of those kinds of things in the way that we act. But when it comes to redemption, we have this like we have this possibility to redeem things in little tiny ways and help people see a glimpse of the kingdom yeah. before meeting the king. And that I think is like a powerful thing that's different than the other the other parts of the language, right? This language actually mm. changes me. It reminds me that, you know, that we all have this opportunity to redeem, right? Like right. I'm not gonna show God's power in the same way, um, you know, to other people. I'm not going to um, you know, demonstrate God's mercy. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. the best way to see it is in this redemption motif, yeah. right? Oh, I love this. We could keep talking, but we're almost out of time. Right. Can you tell me what are we, where are we going from here? What is it as we think about these six areas? Okay. What do you want us to do? Okay. So, so I want you to do a couple of different things. Um, I do, if you, if this is something that you're sort of grabbing onto and you're kind of like, Hey, I'm interested in this. I want to explore a little more. I've been taking some notes or whatever it is. Um, we're going to have some notes available to you online um, on our website. If you go to under media, you'll be able to see that. We're also going to have some social media posts in the next couple of days that will um, that will give you a bit more of a picture of what that might look like in your journal yep. as we look at these six different facets to this good news. But what I want you to do is look at these six ideas and find the one that speaks much so deeply to you, mm. because the one that speaks deeply to you is the one that will often begin the part of a conversation as you attach God's story to your story. Yeah. So before we've been talking about listening, now I want to talk about how God's good news connects to your own story. Yeah, I love it. Well, why don't we wrap it up there? We're going to be back next week with more. Uh, I'm really excited to keep this conversation going. As always, if you have questions, if you've got anything you want to know more, uh, just reach out. We would love to include you in this conversation. And we'll be back next week with more Postscript. Postscript.